This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Weebun. It's 2022 in Malaysia and we have a massive crisis coming. A couple of weeks back, EPF dropped some big numbers that was shocking to say the least. About 145 billion ringgit have been withdrawn in the past two years due to the various withdrawal schemes by the government, ILSTARI, ICNAR and such. And as a result, the levels of savings of EPF members is low and very worrying with 6.62 million EPF members, about 52% of the total 12.78 million EPF members aged under 55 having less than 10,000 ringgit in their savings as of June. Now, this is a ticking time bomb waiting to explode to become a full-on retirement crisis if not managed well. So joining me to discuss this and share some views is Putri Marjan Magad Muzaffar, a research associate for Kazana Research Institute. Good morning and welcome to the show, Marjan. Hi, Sim. Thanks for having me here. So let's start off first by painting a picture of just how worrying the stats are, right? Like I said in my intro, 145 billion ringgit withdrawn in the past two years. What other stats and highlights do you have to kind of like show just how bad the situation is right now? So the issue of old age income security is a very pertinent one, given that Malaysia is rapidly aging, yet our labour market performance has not been that encouraging. So we know from the statistics that EPF has shared that many people do not have enough savings to retire comfortably. So for example, in EPF, more than 80% of their members are expected to not have enough basic savings when they reach 55 to sustain them for the next 20 years. So this is about 240,000 ringgit, uh, so about 1,000 ringgit a month. So for older contributors, you would expect them to have more savings because they've contributed longer, right? But the stats shows that 70% of contributors aged 51 and above who are expected to retire soon also do not meet their basic savings target. Of course, this is just basic savings level, which is just to not live in poverty. If you want to have a comfortable retirement, according to Belanjawanku, you need around 600,000 ringgit at 55. So you have about two and a half K a month for the next 20 years. But uh, EPF statistics shows that only 3% of the contributors can afford this. And again, these statistics are only limited to contributors within the EPF, which is only one third of our working age population. We're not even talking about those working age individuals that are not covered within any retirement schemes. Has there been any studies or anything shown that these past withdrawals have actually been effective to help the target groups kind of like brave through the tough economic conditions? So we know from what EPF has shared that it has been somewhat helpful for these people. So uh, so from their statistics, they showed that they are actually using these withdrawals to spend on basic necessities, settle household debts. So you don't um so you hear on people purchasing houses or renovations that's just simply not the true not true or it's a very small proportion. So how did this happen? How did we get here? So if we look at our um old age social social assistance and retirement schemes, we can see that the pension floor or guaranteed basic income is only secured for two groups at the far extremes. So on the left side, you have those who are poor will be eligible for the Bantuan Warga Mas, but they have strict criteria for you to get into that program. On the right side, those who work in a formal sector as a government servant have their pension. Both are tax funded and do not rely on one's own individual savings. However, for the rest of us, we rely on our own efforts to build up our old age safety net. 
So this issue of um, inadequate retirement savings didn't just arise overnight because of the pandemic, but something that was raised since 10, 20 years ago. Unfortunately, the various COVID-19 withdrawal schemes have exacerbated the issue of adequacy. There's no one cause, but rather a combination of factors, such as persistent uh, low wages due to the structure of the economy, high cost of living, high household debt. And of course, we see the trends of more people going into non-standard forms of employment, such as the rise of the gig economy. However, these uh, forms of employment does not offer your uh, the necessary so uh, social protection. So, for example, they don't have uh, EPF or social contribution. We may think that um, some of these uh, retirement issues may stem from spending too much on lifestyle elements, right? Such as spending beyond your means. However, as COVID has shown us, life is not a linear path where everything happens according to plan. Sometimes things happen beyond your control, such as people losing jobs during the pandemic, as we have seen to those in the tourist sector. You can try and should try as much as possible to set aside savings for your retirement, but many of us face challenges such as illness, disability, doing care work for families, unemployment, underemployment, and a host of other issues that may hamper our efforts to save adequately. Okay, can we focus a bit on the informal sector now, right? I mean, what are there any data mm. available on maybe how bad the past two years have impacted on their kind of retirement or their ability to save for the future? So, in our report, in our, in our previous discussion paper, we sort of tried to estimate the extent of the informal sector. But unfortunately, because there's no... um clear definition at the moment so it's a bit uh so this this the, the statistics are not exact so previously i've alluded to the fact that around 61 percent of the working age population are not covered in any retirement scheme so these uh like you said includes your informal sector workers so we can look at it as a uh such as the self-employed persons so those who are uh, self-employed who do not have employers to help them contribute so they could be in the formal sector. So for example, businesses that are not registered with the government or they could be in formal sectors but are without social protections. So we, uh, so we refer to them as informal workers. So not just your grab and food panda drivers but petty traders and agriculture workers without the benefit of EPF and SOPSO. So uh, I just want to highlight because these are not just informal workers but also uh, the, the problem also lies with those that are within working age, but are not in the retirement system, such as housewives and disabled persons, right? Hmm. So to put it simply, there are around 34 million people in Malaysia that are of working age who are supposed to work and have retirement savings. But only 7.5 million are MPF contributors and civil servants. So you have about 16 million people and it's unclear whether they have enough savings or not to sustain them during the retirement. So part of this is the informal, uh, those in, in informal employment, but we don't know how the savings are, but the indicators are not great. So for example, the survey from DOS during COVID estimates that almost half self-employed persons have lost their job and around 600,000 um, unpaid family workers might be affected from the first MCO. So if you times that with the estimated number of self-employed people, that means approximately 1.3 million self-employed persons could have lost their jobs during COVID. So it means that they don't have the income necessary for them to be able to contribute during that period. So, of course, the government tries to get more people to roll onto the EPF. However, the take-up has not been great. For example, out of the 2.5 million Malaysian citizens working on their own, only 121,000 or 5% registered with ISRAN in 2019. So, basically, the whole point is uh, many people are not in the retirement system and for those in informal employment, given the nature of their work, 
such as having irregular income, it points to the fact that they also have the issue, if not worse off, in terms of not having enough money for retirement. What happens to someone when they reach the retirement age and they don't have enough money, right? What What is the impact to both the individual and maybe society at large? Okay, so for each uh, individual reaching retirement, they're now faced with the options of how to stretch whatever savings that they have or try to get more money in order to afford basic necessities, right? Such as food and housing. So this means having to curtail their spending and perhaps not being able to enjoy the lifestyle that they could afford before when they were working. So you would expect to see some differences in overall spending patterns when more of the population are in old age. Another uh, another possible outcome is more people will have to work longer beyond the minimum retirement age. So for example, World Bank's report showed that the share of older persons working in Malaysia is still low compared to other upper middle and high income countries. But of course, this um, potential solution depends on a host of other factors. So so for example, your state of health, your educational attainment, your ability to work uh, in your old age. So some people would be able to rely on their children or relatives for support. But given that um, people in Malaysia on average have less children than before, this means more burden on the workers of tomorrow to support the elderly population. So for example, in 1990, before this, you have about four kids to support the parents, but now there's only two kids. And in in addition, um, so we don't really have, so the the three generation households trend are declining. So before this, there's about 41.1% in 2004 to 30.7% in 2016. So it means less people are now living with their grandparents. And again, not everyone has children or familiar familial support system to rely on. Uh, lastly, another option for households to continue to survive is to actually go into debt. So meaning take out loans for you to be able to afford your basic necessities. But given the already high percentage of household debt in the country, we're not sure how exactly this will unfold. So from the government side, as more people go into old age without adequate uh, financial security, this could mean more pressure the government to support more people possibly needing to expand uh, current social assistance programs such as the Bantuan Warga Emas as the incidence of old age poverty is expected to be higher. Of course, the government can just choose not to do anything and leave them to their own devices, but you risk all these other social issues happening, such as malnourishment of the elderly, dying alone, suicide, homelessness and more. However, um, one concern that arises is whether the government in the future is able to support this older population. As we know, the demographic trends uh, project an increase in the share of older population, while the share of the working age population is expected to decline as birth rate and fertility declines. So unless uh, productivity increases faster and or workers retire later, the shrinking working age population can affect the current sources of government revenue. Additionally, you know, Malaysia's um, recent health trends are painting quite a somber picture where we know that while many Malaysians are living longer, they're not necessarily healthier. We have high rates of NTDs, such as cardiovascular diseases and diabetes. So as more people reach old age, but in a state of poor health, these trends would increase the burden on the country's healthcare system. Lastly, if houses in Malaysia continues to become unaffordable, which is another uh, segment that we're looking at in KRI, then those unable to get onto the housing ladder will have to continue paying rent compared to their parents who before them would would have um, already paid off their houses when they reach retirement. 
we are still looking at what the cost of living implications would be, but we can see signs of people needing help with housing from the long application queues for the government social housing programs or PPRs. Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon and today's topic is... Um, how the EPF withdrawals have impacted our retirement and is a retirement crisis a ticking time bomb waiting to explode for us all? Um, I have on the show with me Putri, Marj- Putri Marjan Magat Muzaffar, a research associate with Kazana Research Institute. And earlier in the show, she was painting a picture of how bad these, the numbers are for us from a perspective of retirement, how much money has been withdrawn uh, in the past two years from EPF and what kind of impact it will have to the economy. Um, so Marjan, I want to ask you now, right? Um, what can be done about this? Again, uh, there are many uh, multi-pronged solutions that the government can adopt such as, like you said, expanding the Bantuan Warga Emas as a temporary measure, so meaning you offer more social assistance to more people. Uh, in our report, we also look at various um, parametric solutions, such as deepening uh, progressive contribution for EPF, introducing uh, progressive dividends and increasing the statute- statutory minimum retirement age. However, from our calculations and actuarial estimates, we found that for all the proposed solutions, there will still be a percentage of the members who are unable to meet the minimum savings adequacy. So even for the best proposed solu- solution, which is for all EPF members to work longer, 18% of the members are still projected to be unable to meet the poverty line income per capita. Another issue that we found is that even if we increase the contribution rate, not everyone is able to contribute regularly and continuously. In fact, only half of EPF members can contribute at least once a year, uh, which is about 7.6 million out of 14.6 in 2019. So the system rewards uh, regular and continuous contribution, but many may not have the privilege of lifetime employment, let alone without facing any income disruption. So, and again, this is only looking at EPF. We're still, uh, we still have to remember that there's many other people outside of the formal retirement scheme that do not have any access to retirement savings. Uh, so we've explored the potential solutions. And uh, in our report, we propose a midway solution, which is to introduce something like a social insurance pension. And the scheme, instead of saving individually, we can save collectively, specifically for old age. So how this works is we all start putting a small amount in the fund while we are younger and working. So for example, around 50 ringgit, 53 ringgit uh, uh, since uh, when you start in, when you're 24 years old and you contribute it throughout your working age. So this could also be uh, one, uh, 1 to 2% taken out from our EPF contributions and set aside for this fund. When we reach retirement age, we can access this solidarity fund where everyone can receive what is an old age pension or deferred annuity. So these savings will serve as your basic income while your own individual private savings will top up that base in order for you to have a more comfortable standard of living. So, you know, at times when you are unable to contribute to throughout your working age, say you face unemployment or illness, then the government can come in to help and contribute. So the idea is for everyone to collectively contribute together to the Solidarity Fund so all of us can have access to basic income in our old age. Of course, um, another option is to implement a universal pension system, which is for government to provide a monthly pension for all ad- uh, all elderly through tr- uh, tra- tax revenue. But, you know, uh, financing the pension floor through tax revenue would demand quite a significant uh, fiscal commitment by the government. 
especially when Malaysia is expected to have more elderly people in the future. Hence why we propose this uh, midway solution. Okay, but you see, that one, right, yeah. it, it requires more of a mindset shift, not from the government, but more from the people, right? Because I think for those of the lower income, right, um, there are people that look at EPF as a form of tax rather than a long-term scheme for the future. You know, that's hence the reluctance to self-contribute, hence the reluctance to increase your contribution, right? Because there was the whole 9% to 11% thing, right? How do you mm-hmm. think we can shift that mindset? I think definitely one way to go is to start improving the financial literacy of people. So basically um, educating people that this is actually money that you need to um, sustain yourself in your um, old age retirement. Uh, I guess people, I don't know, uh, either people are not realizing that they're probably expected to live longer. So you know how our life expectancy is getting higher, right? So about 76 to 77, but then it's, increasing even further but another reason i could it's not necessarily that people don't want to contribute it's just that they are unable to contribute so sometimes you need to focus on more on your daily expenses for example so i don't have time to think about what's going to happen to me in 60 years when i'm just worried about putting food on the table in the next week or so so again uh, when we talk about for example the non-standard employment before so the nature of the work means that some of these, for the income, it's a bit irregular. So sometimes they, other paid, uh, they get paid day-to-day basis. So it's not, it doesn't really help them to plan, you know, for their savings and their retirement. Right. So at the end of the day, what's an average person? Because, I mean, we've mentioned, we've discussed about how, the, what the government can do, what EPF can do, right? But at the end of the day, what's the average person like me and you that we can do to kind of ensure that our futures are not impacted and our, re- yeah. our retirements are secure? So for starters, um, definitely if you can start saving and putting aside for your retirement as early as possible. So don't underestimate the effects of compounding. The sooner you set aside, the more your savings can benefit from the dividend scheme. For those in the informal employment, try to enroll in the existing schemes offered by EPF. Second, um, try to avoid lump sum withdrawal if you can when you reach retirement age. So because your savings can still grow if you if you withdraw it gradually. So for example, an EPS, EPF officer, uh, officer shared with us that if you leave your savings at 55 and withdraw at 60, it would have increased around 30% during that period. Well, if you leave your savings at 55 for longer and withdraw at 65, then you would see the value being doubled. Third, uh, take care of your health, definitely, because you don't want to have to spend your hard-earned savings on medical bills if you can avoid it. This means adopting um, healthy lifestyle habits, taking care of your diet, and so on. Number four, um, avoid going into lifestyle traps, such as chasing a car or a house beyond your means. Um, at the end of the day, we need to understand that sometimes even the ability to set aside money for retirement is a privilege. So some of us cannot afford to do so and are just surviving day to day. So hence, I think it's time for Malaysia as a nation to sit down and have a discussion on how we can improve our social protection system we need to seriously consider moving towards a model that guarantees sustainable life in old age. So for KRI, the social insurance pension model can minimize individual risks and maximize collective benefits as the country moves towards an aging population. All right, and that's all the time we have for today's episode of Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Putri Marjan Magan Muzaffa, Research Associate for Kazana Research Institute. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. I'm Simwi Boon from The Warning Run. We've got the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.